We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Pack a Day podcast. You can get all your Pack a Day updates by following us on Twitter at Pack a Day Podcast. So remember, you can always subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And of course, you can always check us out over at CheeseheadTV.com. I'm Kyle Fellows, and I'm joined by both my co-hosts, Andrew Mertig and Maggie Loney. We're back for another Friday edition of the podcast. We're two weeks away from the NFL draft. You guys, how you doing? Oh, what a great day, right? We finally got the Aaron Rodgers trade. <laughs> Aaron, what what is wrong with me right now? Aaron Rodgers trade news. This I I I had this whole bit laid out, and then I just tripped over my own words. So you know what? I'm fine. Obviously, a little mentally fatigued. How are you doing, Maggie? Uh, yeah, Kyle and I are sharing some, you know, unseasonably warm weather for April yeah. in Michigan and Wisconsin. So I'm relearning to adapt to the heat. But yeah, it's it's nice to not be rained or snowed on for a little bit. I well, I was really looking forward to the Andrew Mertig bit there, but I guess we will <laughs> never know. What witty uh, slash terrible thing you had to share with us if, there to start the show. So. If you make a fool of yourself in the intro to the show, you just have to stop. Yeah, yeah. it's it's only downhill from there. Um, but let's start with some news, you guys. Uh, we are still waiting on that Aaron Rodgers trade to drop. Andrew tried to spoil that, but it's not going to happen. Uh, we did get some minor news on Thursday. We learned about a few pre-draft visits that the Packers are hosting. First, Green Bay brought in UCLA guard Antonio Maffi. Goes by Neo. I'm not going to lie. I haven't watched Maffi yet. Uh, some interesting highlights from his profile. He went to the same high school as David Bakhtiari. He chose to enroll at UCLA because his cousin was there. His cousin is Devin Asiasi, the New England Patriots third-round tight end. 
from a couple of years ago. Uh, there are also questions about Moppy's playing weight. It's being reported that he played anywhere, I guess, as high as 411 pounds. <laughs> so that might be a reason that the Packers have brought him in uh, as a pre-draft visit. So a really interesting, probably day three prospect to keep an eye on for sure in Antonio Moffey. Uh, we also learned, and this is probably a little bit bigger news, the Packers are bringing in Notre Dame tight end Michael Mayer for a top 30 pre-draft visit as well. This, of course, adds Mayer to the list of Darnell Washington and Dalton Kincaid, the other top tight ends who've also been brought to Green Bay for visits. Sometimes these pre-draft visits mean everything. Sometimes they mean absolutely nothing when it comes to what actually happens in the draft. But uh, what do you guys make of the Packers bringing in just about every tight end who could be drafted in the first round here in just about two weeks? It's weird because I think a lot of people have the sentiment that the Packers should not take a, a tight end in the first round, right? Non-premium position, lots of other needs. But this is a weird draft class. There, There's some teams, or, or at least there's rumors out there, that there are teams that only have like 13 or 14 players graded as first-round grades. And we don't know where the Packers fall in that. Maybe they have 13, maybe they have 18. Um, who knows? But... Tight end is one of the deepest positions in this entire draft class. It's certainly one of the most top-heavy. And so I think it is a possibility. Mayer is super intriguing to me because he kind of came into the season with a lot of top 10 buzz, which has all fallen off, right? Now people are saying, well, maybe he's a late first-rounder, maybe he's an early second-rounder. This was a guy who, as a true freshman in Notre Dame, was considered like a generational tight end prospect. And people just kind of think he's boring now. He's good at run, like run blocking. He's good at pass catching. Uh, he's just not like the juiced up athlete that uh, some of the other tight ends are. And I think people sort of take him for granted. And, and Michael Mayer, like super intriguing prospect. I don't know if the Packers would be willing to take a, a tight end at 15, but I will remind everybody that last year the Packers drafted a linebacker in the first round, of which we said was impossible, and then a 24-year-old. So if we think we have Brian Gutekunst figured out, I just don't think we do. So, Maggie, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I've been reading, you know, a lot about how, you know, it's it's like you said, this is a tight end class that's really deep. It's kind of unprecedented. I think there's 10 players with relative athletic scores above nine, which is the most there's ever been for a tight end class. So like the athleticism and the depth at this position group, when we are contrasting that with wide receivers that we're going to talk about where it's not a very deep class, there's some really fluky kind of sizes and numbers for these receivers. So like if you're going to reach and take a tight end in this class, you know, it's a, it's a really good time to do it and need someone because if you gamble and it doesn't pay off, well, okay. A lot of tight ends kind of miss at the next level. But if you do find a freak athlete that you want to roll the dice on, it's a really good class to roll those dice. So I'm going to throw something out here really quick, and then we're going to transition into the rest of the show because we've got a really fun one I think everybody's going to enjoy. Um, but the Packers seemingly are bringing in prospects who are projected to go, and obviously this is media, but not the NFL, between like 15 and like 20 or 15 and 25, 15 and 30, more than they're bringing in players who are supposed to go in that like eight to 15 range, which is really interesting to me. So maybe there's a chance that they're going to trade back for one of these guys. 
or like they're going to vault from maybe a couple of second round picks back up into this range in the end of the second round. It just feels like between the three tight ends, a player like Darnell Wright and a player like Keon White, um, maybe these are guys that they're going to target maybe in a different spot than maybe they're currently slotted to draft at this point. But a lot's going to happen in the next couple weeks, and then we'll see how it all unfolds um, on Thursday. It'll be a lot of fun. But if you listen to the Packaday podcast regularly, you know that we've ramped up our draft coverage for you guys. Uh, We're going to do our best to cover as many of the 2023 draft prospects as we possibly can. Uh, Because some of these guys are going to be Green Bay Packers. And even if they aren't Packers, they're going to be joining other teams around the NFC North, around the NFL, and shaping the future of the league. And you should be excited for today's conversation. I know we're really excited for it because today is all about wide receivers. That's right. We finally get to dive into this 2023 class of receivers and explore how these pass-catching prospects might specifically fit with Green Bay. So we're going to jump right in here. And I don't know exactly how many names we're going to cover today. I think we're going to get to at least a dozen, maybe more. Uh, So to give some order to this, let's kind of start at the top. And so I'm going to have Maggie go ahead. Go ahead and start by telling us about the best wide receiver in the draft and my personal dream for the Packers at pick 15. Yeah, so we've got Jackson Smith Jigba out of Ohio State as, you know, our first prospect here. What's not to love, right? I mean, he's the consensus number one wide receiver in this class, and it's easy to see why Packers fans would want to covet that and chase after that. Jim Nagy had said on Twitter earlier this week that fans are definitely higher on this wide receiver class than teams are, and that seems, you know, pretty accurate. Um, JSN is really the only wide receiver, it sounds like, that has a consensus first-round grade. Um, There's a lot of players, I think, that will kind of fit in the first round, a gamble on a couple of them. But JSN is really the only one that, like, is a for-sure lock to be a first-round pick and could go, you know, in the top 10. It's hard to see him being there at 15 for the Packers without them trading up. But I think what's really impressive about him is that when you watch him, Everything shows up on tape, all of his traits, even playing in an offense with first rounders like Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. As a sophomore, he had over 1,600 yards and nine touchdowns, 95 receptions. And that was when both Wilson and Olave were on that roster with him. So played a ton in the slot, which works well for kind of what the Packers are looking for and their needs. Um, And he's just he's got the skills to translate and he can also be dangerous on the outside in certain packages. So willing blocker, deadly with the ball in his hands, just would be a really dynamic addition to this Packers offense. Yeah, and I have, you know, used the word consensus, but I have JSN at wide receiver too. Um, He's my old, but he is my overall prospect number 16. So he's the 15th highest graded wide receiver that I've had since 2020. So I don't necessarily view him as the elite kind of prospect that we've seen in guys like Jamar Chase and Chris Olave, et cetera. But there's a lot of traits that make me think he can be elite as a pro. And, you know, I talked about this with Mayer. It's important to remember that at the end of the college football season last year, people viewed JSN as this like can't miss top five lock next year because his sophomore year was so elite. And then he comes out this year, he's hurt a bunch, he doesn't play a ton, Um, he starts, people start questioning his speed, people start questioning is he only a slot, 
And, like, you look back, and he was absolutely phenomenal as a sophomore. Maybe covered all of that. He's a fantastic route runner. He controls his body as well as any wide receiver you'll find. He does a great job of catching the ball with his hands from all angles. He adjusts well. He protects himself over the middle, but also plays the ball over his shoulder really well, which is something that gives me hope that he can be successful on the outside. The main criticism is going to be his deep speed, um, but... I feel like he tested well enough that we shouldn't worry about that. He's definitely got a small frame. So, you know, if he didn't have electric speed, I think he makes for a really interesting case study. But I saw him erasing some angles with the ball in his hands, which makes me think that maybe he plays as fast or a little bit faster than what he actually ran in his athletic scores. I I think there's a little bit of a Monroe St. Brown to his game. And, like, obviously, Amon Ross slid in the draft a ton, um, and now people are regretting that. I think JSN has that kind of elite-level route running and hands combo that is going to make him really, really successful at the next level. And adding someone like Amon Ra to the Packers' offense is really, really exciting. And I, I, it's always fun to add the wide receiver. We do this every year. We're hurt every single year when the Packers don't take <laughs> them in the first round. But again, this would be a really, really fun. And I think as they build towards Jordan Love, a fit there if he's there at 15 that the Packers would at least consider. But I actually forgot, Andrew, that JSN was not your wide receiver one. And then I remembered who your wide receiver one is. I know we're going to talk about him, so I won't spoil it here. Let's fight about it later. That that (laughs) triggered me again, Uh, but I'm going to let it go, and we'll talk about it when we get to it later here in the podcast. But uh, next up on the list is Quentin Johnston uh, from TCU. And in a class that has a lot of smaller slot receivers, Johnston is just kind of a different breed. He's almost six foot three. He's 208 pounds. He tested in the 93rd percentile for vertical jump and 97th percentile for the broad jump. So a really explosive athlete and absolutely jumped out of the gym at the combine. If you, you do see that on film as well, he's frequently going up for the ball in traffic uh, coming down with it. So he gives you that ability to go up and get it. But uh, the run after catch is really impressive for a guy, his size. There are several, I would call no way catches on tape. Just you don't expect that it's going to end the way that it does. And he makes the play. There are two plays against Oklahoma in particular that you're just like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe he made that catch. So certainly put the highlights on film. Now, the route running is not the strongest part of his game, uh, but he's shown growth and potential there. I think a lot of people believe that he could get there. Uh, He needs to grow his route tree. And as much as he has, this is interesting, as much as he has incredible vertical ability, he doesn't always catch the ball at its highest point. There are some drops mixed in as well. But the upside is absolutely huge, and it makes you want to believe that an NFL coach can get this guy to star status. Uh, Johnston's interviews are also really interesting to me. He's just kind of a humble guy, kind of a quiet character personality. He considered transferring from TCU, but he did decide to stay. And it's interesting. He really liked wide receivers like Deshaun Jackson and Tavon Austin when he was growing up. And he says he kind of modeled this game after those guys, which is super interesting because he certainly outgrew them and has a frame that is nothing like them. He's way bigger than them. But at the same time, you kind of see where he kind of wants to be like them with the way he plays on the field. He's a big guy who kind of plays a little bit smaller and wants to be the the run after catch guy. So a really interesting prospect. There is some inconsistency, some rawness. 
and reliance upon that rare athleticism. But the upside is certainly there with someone like Quinton Johnston. Yeah, I know he didn't have an official top 30 visit, or he at least hasn't yet. Uh, but we do know that he met with the Packers and he was at the Combine. And he's certainly, I think, one of the more raw prospects when it comes to things he can clean up about his game. But, you know, that natural athleticism and ability more than makes up for some of those raw traits. Um, he seems like the kind of high ceiling prospect where somebody's going to take a gamble on him early. But it's hard to really get a sense for, like, what his maximum potential would be at the NFL level. Um, with TCU, he felt very like feast or famine as a receiver. Um, he would have huge games or he was putting up some insane numbers. And then if you look at like the title game against Georgia, he had one catch for three yards. So, you know, the upside is there, but I think the consistency is what needs to follow for him to be kind of that elite prospect as an NFL wideout. Yes. So we talk about JSN and Quentin Johnson, kind of the other Wide receiver in this class that is getting some first-round buzz is Zay Flowers out of Boston College. Um, I personally has have Zay as my wide receiver five overall 29, so I do think he's kind of that fringe borderline first-round pick, but he's a really dynamic threat in a small body. Lightning quick, he does a nice job of running crisp routes, he understands how to change his pace to get open and work within the timing of the route. He's a major threat with the ball in his hands, he does a great job catching the ball in tight quarters. His size limits his release on the outside and his catch radius. So, you know, certainly you'll hear some questions if he's a slot only. The big thing with Flowers is, um, you know, like his deep speed is going to have something to say about playing outside. You think about somebody like Deshaun Jackson, who Kyle mentioned in the Quentin Johnson part, like small guys can win on the outside. They just have to have an elite trait. And uh, I think, you know, his draft stock skyrockets if teams believe he can be an outside receiver who can kick in uh, versus the slot. So this this is a guy, he loves football. He Kyle's going to talk a little bit about his time at Boston College. But there's a reason why there are some rumors out there that he might be the first wide receiver off the board because I think all of the traits are really awesome. And if you can overcome the size, then he is going to be like a, a really coveted prospect and a really good pro. Yeah. And I think the Patriots are kind of that sneaky team. Like I feel like at 14 that like maybe they just fall in love with the character. Uh, Belichick can't help himself and, and takes this guy, but uh, would be really, really interesting. Um, I think coming in at 182 pounds at the combine was absolutely huge for flowers because he is a smaller player, but since he's short, that gives him some really good density, right? This isn't a light and small player, right? And even though he's small, he plays a lot bigger. He kind of acts like an alpha at the catch point, even though he's kind of a small guy. Obviously, he had great speed uh, at the combine, but he's a player where you absolutely do see that speed on tape. The play speed for Zay is just as good or better than what he timed at the 4-4-2. And <clears throat> saying he's a threat, after the catch, I think is a really big understatement. And something else that makes Flowers stick out is his football and personal character. Andrew mentioned that this is super interesting about him. The coaches absolutely rave about this guy. He's got 12 brothers and sisters, which is totally, totally nuts. Uh, he turned down $600,000 in NIL money to transfer to stay at Boston College because he thought he owed it to his coaches and to his teammates to stay and finish there. So it's probably hard to see him landing in Green Bay just because of his size. Obviously, they've broken a lot of those uh, 
thresholds, as Andrew likes uh, to talk about. Uh, but he's just a special player and a player that a lot of teams are really, really going to covet. Yeah, so next we have Jordan Addison out of USC, and I'm not entirely sure. It seems like he seems to be sliding quite a bit. You know, I thought at one point there was talk that maybe he could be like the first receiver off the board or one of them. And then, you know, the JSN momentum really started. And now he's even being projected as a second rounder in some mocks. But, you know, I think that's kind of the theme in this in this draft class is that there's a lot of small undersized players um, who still have a ton of athleticism and talent. And he's 5'11", 171 pounds. But, you know, if the Packers are going to take a gamble on a smaller sized receiver, he could do a lot worse than Addison. You know, 15 is probably a little bit rich at this point. But if he was available, um, kind of like Kyle was talking about earlier in the show, is maybe a, a trade back in the late first, early second. Um, he can run every route in the route tree, create some really nice natural separation as a receiver, was a unanimous All-American at Pitt in 2021, led the NCAA in touchdowns with 17, and then he almost had almost uh, 1,600 receiving yards. So shiftiness and speed really make him a fantastic option for LaFleur as kind of that Z receiver, I think. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah, I had Addison as my wide receiver for my overall player 23 at Interestingly enough, Addison's actually my top film graded wide receiver, but some of that athletic testing knocked him down. And I'll talk about that um, in a moment. But yeah, just like Maggie said, he started his career at Pitt. He transferred to USC for this past year. So went from Kenny Pickett to Caleb Williams, a super refined route runner. He varies his speed. He shows maturity that you don't really see at the college level all that often. Really fantastic hands catcher. Uh, definitely needs to develop his strength. Obviously, he's really light, so um, you know strength is going to be something at the next level that'll be important to be able to create separation. Um, I I think he can be really dynamic after the catch, even though you don't necessarily think of that when you see his athletic testing numbers. 
He has a really nice ability to stop and start. I thought there was a little Chris Olave to his game. Now, Chris Olave kind of shocked everybody with what he ran before the draft last year, and Addison sort of ran what everybody expected him to. But there's something that I think we really overestimate when it comes to speed, right? Like, we take a look at a guy's 40, or we take a look at his three-cone, whatever, and we say, well, that's what he is as a player. And then there's sort of this concept of, like, well, do they play like that on the field? And people often attribute, like, well, they should run with their pads on. That's not really the issue that I see with players. It's can you play at your top speed? So if you run a 4-5-5 as a wide receiver, why do some wide receivers who run that seem faster on tape than guys who run in the 4-3s? Well, there's a lot more to it, right? If you're going to run a route, there's ankle flexion. There's the ability to be able like to have the muscular strength or the leanness or the agility to be able to cut at your full speed. And Addison has that kind of special ability where he can play at full speed way more often than he doesn't. And he's also super smart in his route running where he can throttle up and throttle down at the right time to kind of make himself more efficient. So despite the athletic testing, I'm really, really impressed with him. And, you know, if if the Packers ended up in that, like, late first round range or if Addison slid into the early second, like you were saying, Maggie, I, I would be a big advocate for, for Jordan Addison being, you know, yet another future Pro Bowl wide receiver the Packers take in the second round. <laughs> It's super interesting when you talk about the speed testing and, and how NFL teams evaluate that. Because if you listen to, like, the GM interviews after the draft, a lot of times the GMs will say, well, we had him, you know, faster than his 40 time. Or, like, like and whether that's, like, a, a hand time or they just make a general statement that they thought that they were faster. Like, someone like Jalen Hyatt, which we haven't talked about yet, we'll get there, um, he ran a 4-4 four, four flat at the Combine, and everybody kind of expected him to blow the doors off, and 4-4 four, four is plenty fast, but like to be like more of like a 4-3, low 4-3 guy. And then at his pro day, didn't run another 40, and he's made some comments that NFL teams told him that they were comfortable with his speed, and he didn't need to run again. And like all that stuff doesn't make sense to me. Like We like the metrics. We like to see it all on paper, but it just it goes to show you that these 40 times – are just kind of like, I don't know, like they're they're a useful tool, but they are not the end all. Like there's guys who run faster, you know, in the game than they do when they test. Mm-hmm. There's guys who run slower. So it is just an interesting thing to remember that these are not like the end of the end of the story. It's just kind of a tool that the the teams use. So okay, let's jump in here and talk about my next guy, Josh Downs um, from UNC. Josh Downs is five foot nine, 171 pounds. It feels like a true slot receiver. A lot of these guys are smaller. I'm not sure that the Packers will be looking for someone like Downs. I kind of doubt it, honestly. But if you're looking for a textbook slot, I'm not sure that you're going to find a much better option than Downs. He tracks the deep ball really, really well. He's a good hands catcher. He has some drops early in his career, but really cleaned those up in 2022. And he's a really good route runner. So a lot of things you love. Now, he does have the small frame. You're not drafting him to block. Uh, so you're going to temper your expectations a little bit there. And we know that especially the Packers really, really value that. Uh, but he does give good effort there at least. So at least there's that. Uh, and again, small player, but he's caught 72% of his contested catch targets, which is absolutely a bananas number, especially 
for a player of his size. So really does play bigger than his size. You always love when a prospect has NFL bloodlines. Uh, his dad played running back in the NFL, and his uncle is actually Dre Bly, the corner who played for the Lions. So uh, if you're looking for a classic slot, I think you've got to consider and you've got to love Josh Downs. Yeah, I mean, I talked about Downs as one of my favorite receivers in this class on this very show. I think it was last week, maybe two weeks ago. But that said, it's just it's really hard to see him in Green Bay because he's just not what the Packers look for at the receiver position. So, you know, his size being so undersized, it, it's hard to fathom that he would end up in Green Bay. But if he did, you know, I think the, the perk here is that the Packers don't even need him to be wide receiver two. He's not going to be wide receiver one. They don't need him to be wide receiver two on this roster. So he would be, like you said, a fun, true slot option. And you give him some looks in motion. Um, he can make defenders miss in the open field. He's really agile. He's got that really nice, you know, 10, 20 split speed. So I think that just, you know, he could bring something fun to the offense, but it's, it's really hard to picture him even being on Green Bay's radar, given that he's so outside of the box when it comes to his size. Yeah, so uh, Downs is a really, really fun option uh, to dream about adding to the Packers offense. And I would argue that, that so is Jalen Hyatt, the wide receiver out of Tennessee. <laughs> Um, I've talked about this before, you know, just like really easy acceleration. I think he has elite deep speed. And again, that 40 didn't like scare me so much because on tape, he just looks like so much faster than some like really elite, elite athletes in the SEC. I thought he was a nice hands catcher. You know, he wasn't contested that much just because of what he brings to the field and, and college competition. But he did make plays when he was certainly at a slight frame. That That's a, a theme, right? Like everybody but Quentin Johnston we've talked about. These are This is a really skinny wide receiver class. Um, and he did almost exclusively work out of the slot. Moving outside will show if he can work uh, when corners actually get their hands on him. To me, his route running is a question mark at this point, given Tennessee's offense. He's just always in so much space, and they didn't ask him to run much of a route tree. He's blazing with the ball in his hands. He's a very willing blocker, but not very effective because of his size and strength. I think his floor is just like a scary deep threat, and I've mentioned this before, like a faster John Brown. Maybe that like role player, maybe like a good number two. I I, I think that could be his floor. Um, his ceiling could be like an elite deep threat in the NFL. I know I've said taller Tyree Kill before. I think that sounds like hyperbole, probably because it is and should be. <laughs> um, he's probably never going to reach that ceiling, but he really is that fast. Uh, so you know, I did have him as a wide receiver one overall fifteen. People think that I'm off my rocker for that, which is fine. Uh, there are plenty of things he can't do, but what he does, he can do at an elite level. So I don't expect him to hit that ceiling. Just reiterating that um, that should never be the expectation. But the fact I can even mention him and somebody like Tyreek Hill in the same breath, I think should tell you something. So I actually went back to Hyatt because I've given Andrew plenty of grief because he likes Hyatt quite a bit more than I do. But I do like him. I've got a second round grade on him. And my hesitation with Hyatt is obviously the frame. He's 176 pounds. He's not the most well-rounded wide receiver prospect. But his elite traits are special and they're important. Those traits are important to finding success at the NFL level. Andrew talked about the speed. There's no joking about the speed. It's serious. It's, it's an elite trait. But it's also the hands, right? I think he has really soft 
natural hands. And the comp, you mentioned a couple of comps, but we've seen the Will Fuller comp in a few places. And we know that Green Bay has had an interest in someone like Will Fuller over the years. Fuller was a, he was a heavier player. He was 10 pounds heavier than Hyatt is. But I also think Hyatt has way better hands than Fuller did coming out of Notre Dame. Uh, Fuller had a 13.9% drop rate coming out of college, one of the highest rates in that class. So people loved him because of the speed, but they also knew that they kind of had to take the drops with the speed. Hyatt only has a 6.9% drop rate and makes plenty of high-difficulty catches on tape that are really impressive. So I think there's plenty of reason to love the speed and the hand combo. And I, I, at 45, I'm all the way in. That's great. Yeah, and I just want to reiterate really quick before we move on that I, even though I have Hyatt as my 15th player, I do not advocate the Packers taking him at 15. I don't think that would be a good use of resources, but I do like him. I think 45 is a little bit of a pipe dream at this point. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe NFL teams just see him as a, a speed guy. But what I would love to see is the Packers trade down, get more assets if they don't like what's at 15, and then maybe take Hyatt like late in the twenties, um, if he slid into the early second round, maybe he's a trade up target, but yeah, I, I, I just want to say that before people get mad at me. Andrew, Andrew, can we fight before we let Maggie talk? She's going to hate us. Sure. But sure. Let's fight. So you don't advocate for Hyatt at 15 and he's your 15th graded prospect, right? Mm-hmm. Do you advocate for JSN at 15 because he's your 16th graded prospect? Uh, I gotcha. I maybe. Gotcha. Maybe. <laughs> maybe, maybe maybe you win there are different players right i'm not seriously going to get you with that like there's a reason you would value one and what they bring to the offense and not the other even though you have them graded similarly but i just i just had to give you a hard time about that there, I, I i mean hyatt is so much bigger of a risk i think the payoff is is really really high right like you know it it's it's crazy i think jsn's floor makes him much more comfortable at 15 sure. than I would ever be with Hyatt. That being said, I'm not sure that I would love either one at 15, but we can save that argument for next week. <laughs> Let's let Maggie talk and we'll stop fighting. Well, so we're kind of getting into our next tier, I think, of wide receivers at this point, and it's Marvin Mims Jr. out of Oklahoma, Cedric Tillman from Tennessee, and then Rasheed Rice of SMU. So Obviously, you both just talked about Jalen Hyatt. A lot of people very enamored by him and his skill set. So I'm glad we're also going to talk about Cedric Tillman here as well, the other Tennessee wide uh-huh. receiver. I'm probably higher on him than either of you. That's okay. But I just think he's he's so very much a Packer. You know, he's 6'3", 213 pounds per PFF, only dropped five of his 104 catchable targets. So you know he's got really good hands. Um, Mims Jr. showcases speed, his ability to separate from defenders, averaged 20-plus yards per reception in both 2021 and 2022. So if the Packers will be flexible with their size preferences, you know, I I would love Mims Jr. in this Packers offense. Uh, Rice, also just as much fun to watch, I think. Natural ability to high point the ball in the air and bully defenders. So all three of these guys that we're kind of going to talk about, really high RAS athletes, and they all bring a different skill set to Green Bay, which is nice because I think they all kind of fit in a different way. Yeah, I, I have Rishi Rice as wide receiver six, overall 48. Cedric Tillman at wide receiver nine, overall 64. And then Mims Jr. as wide receiver 10, overall 66. So they're all right 
within that like second round range, in my opinion. Um, I think the Packers could take any one of those on day two, and I'd be really happy. I think it's just a matter of what flavor you prefer. Kyle really turned me on to Marvin Mims Jr. I, I went back and watched his tape a second time and uh, fell a little bit more in love with him. And, I, you know, I think if the Packers wanted more of a true slot to go with Watson and Dobbs, which, you know, not is not necessarily their style. They like players that can play all over the place. But maybe it should be their style. And I think Mims in the third is actually better than, like, maybe a, a better value than, like, Zay Flowers in the first, for mm. instance. I think Rasheed Rice screams Packers wide receiver. Uh, I believe I made the comp to James Jones with Rasheed Rice before. Uh, Tillman is the kind of wide receiver who leaves me unimpressed and then goes on to have a really, really productive 10-year NFL career. Uh, tend to miss some players like that. Um, he could be like a little bit more juiced up Alan Lazard. I'm not saying he'd be as effective as Lazard was, but like as a prospect, uh, you know, a little bit more dynamic. So, um, yeah, like all three. I like all these guys quite a bit, and I think they'd all be good value at pick 45. I agree with Andrew that Mims, it doesn't feel like a Packers pick, but heck, if they like Hyatt, and we've heard that they might like Hyatt at 176 pounds, why not Mims and the, what, like 438 speed at 183, right? Like, I mean, if we're getting weird, like, let's just get weird. Tillman is a guy I didn't like um, on first watch, but then someone pointed out that he had that foot injury in 2022, which, you know, I missed. I didn't know that. So if you go back and you just watch what he does in 2021, you see someone who's a little bit more fluid, a little bit more explosive. So I ended up liking him a little bit more than I did initially. Rasheed Rice is one of my guys. I really, really like him. Andrew, I didn't realize that you liked him as much as you do. So we might be kind of in the same ballpark there. Uh, but he's such a Packers player. Uh, there have been – this was interesting to me. I read this this week. There have been some maturity questions around Rasheed Rice. And there are some reports that he grew up a lot this past season um, and is a different person than he was in the past. Uh, but because of that, I would not be shocked if he pops up on the Green Bay Packers top 30 visits list here. We know we've got like, I think, 12 maybe outstanding spots there uh, in the next couple of days, because if the person and the character check out, this is a Packers pick for sure. It just feels that way. All right, so next we're going to move into prospects that we love on days two and three, potentially of the draft. So I'm going to start. I'm going to take A.T. Perry out of Wake Forest. And the more I watch him, I really just think that he's like an ideal third receiver for the Packers as far as this draft class is concerned. Certainly set himself apart as one of the bigger bodied receivers. You know, he's just under 200 pounds, which is a preferred weight metric for Green Bay, but I think they could make an exception since he's right on the cusp. He's like 198. Uh, Got an elite relative athletic score of 9.62 elite speed. Um, I know you guys were talking about, you know, kind of in-game speed versus combine speed, but he ran a 4.4740, 11-foot broad jump. So he's, he's really quick off the line of scrimmage, can create separation, has really long arms. Um, but he also seems to have all the potential in the world as a willing run blocker, which we know obviously matters a lot in a Matt LaFleur offense. Led the ACC in receiving yards in 2021 and has averaged over 1,000 yards and 10-plus touchdowns his last two seasons. So I think my favorite note that I've seen on him so far kind of in this process is from his NFL Network profile, actually, where an NFC scout said, he makes the game look really easy. I think you just have to live with the drops and focus on what he's really good at. So you have to assume that if he can clean up things like drops at the next level, you know, if that's your biggest concern, 
if he makes the game look that easy, then you then you take those drops and you live with them and you just hope that the gamble is worth the upside to bring him in as a wide receiver two or three. Yeah, and I really like Andre Yashevis out of uh, Princeton. He's my wide receiver seven overall player, 54. Um, he's a super fun traits receiver. He's tall. He's 6'3". He's fast. He's strong. He's a track star, so you know the speed is legit. Uh, I thought he had really good body control. He operates well on the sideline and in the end zone. Strong hands, makes a ton of contested catches. And obviously he didn't play for a top-notch program, right? Princeton, not really well known for their football acumen, but he's shown he could hang at the Senior Bowl. And certainly you wish he was a better blocker, but he's got the frame to get there eventually. Um, As he develops better route running habits, he can be a little stiff in his ankles at times. He could be an absolute dynamo at the next level. And the comparison going into the draft process was, he could have a Christian Watson-like ascension. I don't think that has quite happened. But if you're going to uh, take a gamble on a guy in, let's say, the middle of the third round, and you want to break that third-round curse, I think Andre Yusevis could be uh, just the guy to do that. Okay, so my guy, I'm going to give you guys my guy, and then I'm going to ask you a question about a player I haven't watched yet because I'm really intrigued. I just haven't gotten around to his tape. So first out of the gate, my guy is Xavier Hutchinson out of Iowa State, and I love Hutchinson starting in, say, like the third round, if he were there in the third round. Hutch is a really productive receiver who went through JUCO to get to Iowa State. I'd say his top trait is probably just his ability to catch away from his frame and make difficult catches look really, really easy. Uh, He really becomes an alpha in 50-50 ball moments, even though he's not the biggest guy on the field. He's 6'2", 203, so not this massive X receiver, but his body control, especially along the sideline, is really, really nice. Uh, He's not a perfect prospect. Uh, You'd like to see his route running get a little bit better. He's not a burner. Uh, As good as he is in contested situations, you kind of wish he found a little bit more separation at times. He ran a 4-5-3 at the combine, and that looks probably about right. That's probably where he plays. Uh, but it's interesting, no FBS wide receiver caught more passes over the past three seasons than this guy. He's exciting because I think he brings immediate value to your team as probably third, maybe more realistically your fourth wide receiver. But if he ascends and he, he becomes this well-rounded prospect, he might have a ceiling as your number two if things really go well for him. But the guy I want to ask you guys about is Dontavian Wicks from Virginia. Have you guys watched this guy? Because I have not yet. Um, I just want to hear your thoughts on this. Dane Brugler dropped his draft resource over at The Athletic this week. It's really, really incredible. I love reading through that. But I thought it was interesting that he has Wicks as a fourth-round grade. And I knew that Green Bay had brought Wicks in. But I was kind of assuming that this is someone – it was going to kind of go in that middle to late day three range, more like a sixth round pick or something. So at a fourth round grade, it really surprised, surprised me. So I don't know, Andrew, Maggie, have you guys watched Wicks yet? And did you guys have thoughts on him? Yeah, I did. I uh, just took a look. I have him at overall 108. So that actually is right in that fourth round range. Uh, to me, like he's a physical receiver. He has the build and the game maturity for the NFL, really good on deep routes. I think he's an outside receiver, which there's not that many of in in this class. We've talked about a lot of slot receivers today. Uh, He plays hard. He's going to be physical uh, going for the ball and also in the blocking game. 
He's got a nice ability to get off of press coverage. Again, something that's a little rare in this class of really light wide receivers. There were too many drops. And I think what killed him, because he was somebody that I think could have been a day two guy coming into this year. He wasn't productive in 2022. But the context of that was the Virginia offense went from like really, really good to just absolute garbage this past year. Like they couldn't do anything. And so Wicks certainly suffered because of that. He did have a 9.14 RAS score. Um, I did not necessarily think he was that good of an athlete based off of his tape. But yeah, I. He's interesting. Like, again, kind of a Packers type of, of player. Yeah, I was going to say, I haven't watched a ton of him yet, but I think, you know, when you look at his metrics and Green Bay's thresholds, we're all going to get really familiar with these bigger receivers in this class because, like Andrew said, there's just not that many of them that check all of the Packers' boxes. So I think he's certainly one of those prospects as, you know, a physical boundary receiver that does meet all of the requirements that Green Bay has. He's made some really impressive catches at the next level, and I think, you know, a lot of those skills are in college, and I think a lot of those skills would be translatable to the next level. Yeah, absolutely. So thanks for asking, Kyle. Hey, now you I know. just wanted to, I, I wanted your thoughts. I'm really excited to dig into them hopefully this week. But uh, you guys, let's pick one wide receiver that if, not, you know, all else aside, lots of factors in this, you just want to see them in Green Bay, regardless of how it happens, knowing roughly what the draft capital cost is. Who's your guy you want to see in Green Bay? Yeah, for me, I already talked about him, but it's Andre Yusevis in in either the second or third round, wherever the Packers would have to pick him. I think you just go out there and see if you have Christian Watson, like, lining up across from Christian Watson Jr. Like, I, I, I think that would be really fun. Um, but I did want to say, since I already talked about him, as an honorable mention, I would love to see LSU wide receiver Keishon Butte if he slips into day three. There are tons of problems here. His production plummeted this season. His athletic testing was atrocious. There is something going on here. He was widely considered a first-round talent 10 months ago. And I'm not just talking like first-round talent, like wide receiver one in this class. And I kind of like the idea of humbling a guy by getting picked in like the fifth or sixth round. You make him earn a roster spot. You let that natural talent come out when he's forced to develop better work ethic. Or... He gets cut and you lose a fifth and fifth or sixth round pick. Who cares? But I would rather swing for the fences than try to hit singles on day three when most of those picks don't work out anyways. I like that call a lot, Andrew. I'm glad you brought him up because we weren't going to talk talk about him on the show today. Uh, but I struggled too. Like, how do I grade this player? Because if you grade the best of Keishon Butte, he kind of fell for me. And I chose to just grade him as if he was the best version of himself knowing that I probably wouldn't take him in that range. But I, he kind of fell in the Marvin Mims and Josh Downs range for me, which is like, you know, that's like an early second round pick. And you're like, right, like this is an opportunity an NFL team may have on day three. And that could be really, really exciting and really, really rewarding if it pays off. So interesting there. Uh, for me, Jonathan Mingo out of Ole Miss. When I watch, and obviously this guy is the the Packers darling, I feel like on Twitter right now. But when I watched Jonathan Mingo, I kind of thought I discovered a diamond in the rough. I was, you know, seeing him go in a lot of fifth or sixth rounds in mock drafts. It turns out I wasn't the only person who liked him. Now he's expected to go on day two and maybe even have a shot at the second round. But Mingo is six foot two. He's two hundred and twenty pounds. And what makes him special, I think, is his athleticism at his size. He tested 
in the 89th percentile in the broad jump and the vert. So he's got some real explosiveness to him. Uh, he runs pretty good routes. He tracks the ball well on, on deep balls. He also does impressive work after the catch. And you love that he's physical in really all elements of his game. He's a plus blocker, which Matt LaFleur would absolutely appreciate. He ran a 4.46.40, which is really fast. I'm not sure that that speed is always there on tape. Um, but, you know, the separation isn't great. Like, he doesn't play like he runs away from guys. He doesn't always high point the catch. Sometimes he prefers to kind of basket catch it. But as someone who could be discount A.J. Brown, I want to take that shot all day. And I love his interviews. He kind of just comes off as all business. Dame Brugler points out that his head coach, Lane Kiffin, calls him a humble guy who's egoless in all he does. He never complains about his catches or his playing time. So this is a guy who just loves football and is willing to do the dirty work as well. So outside of JSN, if I'm adding any wide receiver from this class to the Packers, it's probably Jonathan Mingo. Yeah, so I'm going to talk about Parker Washington from Penn State. And I talked about him a little bit on Packs, what she said. But I wanted to mention him again here because I think he's just such a Packers pick on day three. You know, we're talking about all of these 175, 185-pound slot receivers. And Washington is like a muscular 204. And he's not really going to be like the most athletically gifted prospect in this draft class. But he's got the ability to be like a really good possession receiver and a really reliable slot option at the NFL level. He's not afraid to put his body on the line. He doesn't avoid contact. He initiates contact and fights for extra yardage, has really nice hands, great vision for the field to know where he's at at all times. And he also got plenty of upside as a punt returner, right? If Rich Passaccia needs to add another return man to his arsenal. So he's not going to be like, you know, this insane, freaky, athletic prospect. He doesn't have the most impressive of all the highlight reels for the wide receivers. But he definitely, I think, is going to outwork a lot of guys. And I think he could have like a very steady, reliable career um, because in this class specifically, I think he's just about as packer as you can find for a slot option in this this group of guys. Yeah, I really, really like Parker Washington, so I'm glad you you brought him up. Um, this is a a class that that is pretty deep. Um, maybe traits wise, not all ideal fits for the Packers, but we went like crazy over today, and um, I think people will be okay with that because wide receiver is a position everybody always wants to talk about. Uh, this is a class that maybe doesn't have the top end talent that we're used to seeing over the last several years, but definitely has a lot of depth and a lot of really intriguing, unique kind of players. So uh, we really appreciate you sticking around for this. Um, unfortunately, that is all the time that we have for today. This has been the Pack-A-Day podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore Pundit. You can find Maggie at Maggie J. Loney and also on Pack's What She Said. And you can find me at Andrew Mertig. Please subscribe and consider giving us a rating. If you like what we're doing, you can catch Kyle, Maggie, and myself every single Friday. And next week, we'll be back one week before the draft, uh, getting y'all ready for this. So we are super, super excited about that. Thanks so much for listening. And always, and as always, remember...